Hi, it's Raghu Marcus, and this is Ramdas here and now. And uh, today I've gone into the archives and pulled something out, just kind of randomly, that turned out pretty good for me, and hopefully for all of you out there. It's, uh, well, I'm going to describe the talk in a minute, but I just want to say a couple of things, a couple of announcements here for... Uh, for the podcast and for the Be Here Now Network and for Ramdas.org. In fact, I wanted everybody to know about a new offering from Ramdas.org. It's uh, just an absolutely exquisite uh, video series that was produced for the PBS a long, long time ago. And uh, we were approached uh, by a couple, Joseph and Johanna, Joseph Teeger, and they uh, produced this wonderful program with Ramdas and Stephen Levine. I don't know, uh, many of you know who Stephen is. He passed about a year ago, unfortunately. He was one of the uh, great teachers around life transition, death and dying, and uh, he did a lot of work with Ramdas. And they did this retreat that uh, was filmed actually at the end of this or just around the turn of the decade into 1980, 7980. And um, and so out of this footage, they put together this, uh, I mean, it is really super, uh, in terms of all of the fantastic teachings and information that, uh, that comes from both uh, Stephen and Ramdas. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of metaphors, of course, around... Uh, life transition, dying, and our denial of it. Uh, Stephen uh, elucidates incredibly well. And Ramdas talks about how we can use all of that uh, life event for our day-to-day uh, enlightenment. That's a big word. But becoming more and more conscious through everything that is uh, appears phenomenally in front of us on a day-to-day basis. Uh, just super talk. How then shall we live? It's uh, it's actually five hours. Four, uh, four hours uh, are centered around that program. And then one hour is a bonus that uh, is uh, part of the bundle, part of the package uh, around uh, social action and compassion, which has some stuff from Ramdas that is so absolutely relevant to what we're going through here with the uh, change in administration and uh, and a lot of the fear and anger and so on that that that's going on, so uh, it's 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 amazing how relevant something that Ramdas did so far long ago is so relevant now. So go to ramdas dot org and you'll uh, be able to. It's right on. It's uh, it's on the banner, right on the home page at the top. And you just click on it, and it'll take you to a, a landing page, which has all the information, some previews, and there's all sorts of different configurations that you can uh, get the downloads in. Uh, you can get just audio, you can get video, you can get both of them. You can even get a, a thumb drive if you're not interested in going through the whole download uh, uh, stuff. Okay? How then shall we live? And... Um, the the uh, I want to remind everybody about Amazon and and using our Amazon link and bookmarking it. Just go to beherenownetwork.com, and the uh, you'll see the in the menu the Amazon. Just click on the Amazon um, link, and uh, and then you'll you'll get the uh, URL which you can put up in your browser so that every time you go to Amazon. Of course, whatever you purchase, we get a little piece of that comes to the network and helps support all the teachers, including Ramdas and everything that Love Server Member Foundation is doing. And uh, as I usually do on Mind Rolling, which is the podcast uh, uh, that I do, aside from this um, introducing of Ramdas, uh, I always recommend something, and I found something fabulous, and it really relates to this talk, which I'll talk about in a second. Uh, it's a book called Other Minds, The Octopus, the Sea, uh, 
and the Deep Origins of Consciousness, and it's by Peter Godfrey Smith. And you can, this is a thing certainly to purchase on Amazon. And this has some amazing stuff in it uh, around uh, the the consciousness of uh, of octopus. Um, and the most amazing, that recognition, their sense of mutual engagement, their disarming friendliness. You reach forward a hand and stretch out one finger, and one octopus arm slowly uncoils, tasting your finger as it draws it in. Behind the arm, large round eyes watch. And so uh, Godfrey Smith, who, watched, who uh, of course wrote the uh, book, uh, he watched his dive partners. An octopus grabbed his hand, and Matt followed as if he were being led across the seafloor by a very small eight-legged child. Ten minutes later, they arrived at the octopus's den. Can you imagine being taken home by an octopus? And octopuses have a personality. They have personality. Some shy, some confident, some feisty. Some, not all, play, blowing and batting bottles around. They recognize human faces. One study confirmed that giant Pacific octopuses could even distinguish people wearing identical uniforms. And they're fond of certain people. Yet others, they squirt disdainful jets of water. I mean, amazing stuff uh, that helps us to understand the origins of what consciousness is and, and the origins of it. Uh, so th this uh, fabulous book, and as I said, please uh, use our uh, Amazon portal to go up there and it'll help. It's one of the ways in which uh, Love Server Member Foundation with Ramdas.org and Be Here Now Network gets supported. So that's our little um, announcement ad for the day. Uh, this lecture, uh, this talk rather, Ramdas doesn't really lecture. This talk is, uh, I excerpted out of a talk he gave in Oklahoma in 76, okay? And uh, who are you? Now, that's a, a, a great, uh, th that is the um, core teaching of Ramana Maharshi. For those of you, many of you I know know who Ramana Maharshi is, and um, and that is a, is a very specific uh, teaching from him about how uh, to go inside to find out at the core who we are. Who are you? Who am I? Uh, but uh, Ramdas, in his obviously unique way, he talks about um, what an incarnation, what we are over a vast amount of time, beyond just this lifetime, through thousands and thousands of births and deaths. You know, we're born into an identity, and each time we die, we try, of course, to cling to life. And here you are in, in the middle of one of these rounds. You really think this body and personality are who you are. So when you die, that's it. See, that's, that is, of course, the core thing that happens. Intellectually, we don't believe that. You know, intellectually, we know our soul, our Buddha mind, whatever, is truly who we are. But when we get to that point, of course, we are very, we get afraid because we are so attached to that mind-body. Um, and so, um, and he talks about, he uses the, the analogy of a clock starting at noon at 12, and uh, that's the beginning of the separation as you get born from the one, and you try to re-experience that perfect harmony before the separation, trying to optimize the strategy of your life that makes you feel like you are back at the source. So that's why we're, we go after one rush after another, be it... And it could be even just, um, you know, feeling secure in a family. And it doesn't have to be an addiction. And it doesn't have to be a psychedelic. But um, it's very difficult for us to find that gap, that space, spaciousness, which is where we originally come from. Um, we try and get these rushes closer and closer together so we have the illusion of no space. And then he, <laughs> I love this little thing, he said, then we are always, but we always come back to stuck inside a mobile with the Memphis blues again, that Bob Dylan thing. Um, so let's see.
You are here on earth as a soul who has taken birth in order to work through the attachments and clingings within yourself that keep you identified with your separateness, thus allowing you to once again become one with the source or to know your true self. When that recognition is deep enough, the whole meaning of your life changes and the meaning and the meaning of every subsequent incarnation changes. Right? That's a a very very key thing that's uh, in fact the the southern buddhists have a, a an expression that when you get into a meditation practice and when you you actually see a, a small blue sphere just in front of uh between your your third eye and your your nose inside yourself once you see that you're called a sotapanna which means a stream enter which means you can never fall off the path. Right? Isn't that something? So this is a little bit like that, that after X amount of incarnations, that um, you, it's deep enough so that, that everything changes. And you, that, that change happens going forward into the next incarnations. So you don't end up, uh, you, you stop ending up into this stop I'm scared shitless. I'm <laughs> losing my body and my mind. Uh, and then he talks at the end about the uh, the perfection of the universe. You know, we we want to feel that perfection of the universe. We feel it at a certain point, and we're like dancing in the pure white snow of the Himalayas. But you have to come down again. And when you come down, he calls it. You see the blood on the snow, the bleeding heart of Jesus. And you realize there is suffering for all. You realize the suffering of all sentient beings. But it is a strong and conscious and clear and liberated being who can simultaneously look up and look down. Who can, with an open heart, experience the unbearable compassion. Unbearable compassion. And at the same moment, look up and see the exquisiteness of the perfection. Because this is probably the most uh, difficult challenge we have as humans. So Ram Dass addresses this. Uh, so this is, uh, as I said, a talk from Oklahoma. I'm, it's uh, We're going to title it, Who Am I? Who are you? Who are you? And uh, this is uh, Ram Dass Here and Now on the Be Here Now Network. And we'll see you next time. Who are you? To the extent that you are a separate entity at all, let us think of you for this moment as a, an entity. An entity. An entity that exists over large expanse of time and that goes through experience after experience in the same way as today has been full of crossing the street, eating, going to the toilet, experience after experience. So spread out, you as an entity have gone through literally thousands and thousands of births and deaths. It's just a picture now. Those of you who don't want to buy it, just use your imagination. Time after time, you've been born, born into an identity. And then you died. And each time you died, you tried to cling to life. Because you thought when you died, you wouldn't exist anymore. And then you died. And here you still were. Then something or other happened, and then you were born again. Birth, death, birth, death, birth, death, birth, death. 
Buddha, the Buddha looked back at one point with a flick of his eye because he was outside of time and space. He saw his last 99,000 incarnations. And those were only a drop in the bucket. Here you are in the middle of one of these rounds. quality of this round is that it seems very real. You really think you're here. You really think this body is who you are, this personality is who you are. And when the body dies, you figure that's it. With your intellect, many of you know that isn't it, but with your gut, it's still it. <laughs> If you will imagine for a moment now a clock, twelve o'clock, a being is totally in harmony with everything around it. No differentiation, no separation, perfect flow. We will, to give it a familiarity to you, call it the Garden of Eden. There is nothing separate. Everything flows together. All the parts are not identified with their separateness, but with the one. 12.01. Something happened. You are separate. This is your history. This is your life. Your lives. 12.01, something happened. It has to do with the apple. Because the eating of the apple, we can think of for this moment, as the developing of duality, of subject-object. It led to the fig leaf, it led to God saying, who told you you were naked, and so on. It's the moment of separation. It's the moment in which the separate entity knows it knows rather than being. It just lost being into knowing. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Can you hear what I'm saying? 1201. Well, we can't. I like to see you too. We could turn them down. Could you turn down those middle lights a little bit more? That would be nice. They're very bright on the people in the center. Is there any choice? No choice? They just go on their own. There are other lights that go on. We have any choices? The only other lights they can turn on are just those spawn lights. Oh, they're terrible. Okay. Okay, we'll leave it like that for a while, all right? I can see you. You can see me. It's hard on the television video. No, lights out. <laughs> for those of you that are going to use this time, don't forget to sit straight with head, neck, and chest back in a straight line, and then just gently breathe in and out of the heart. As we talk, we'll just go up together. Many different levels of drinking in this scene. Twelve oh one separateness. You know you know. You ate of the apple of knowledge. 
That's the beginning of lust. It's the beginning of greed. It's the beginning of doubt. It's the beginning of all of the effects of separation from the one. 1201 to 559. Life after life. Birth, death, birth, death. Each life you enter through the womb, build an ego structure that tells you you are a separate entity, and spend your life trying to gain through your own personal power the re-experiencing of that perfect harmony that you once knew before you became separate. Achievement, orgasm, adventure, all of it designed for that moment of merging, that moment of transcendence. Trying to create through your control, your own heaven on earth with you as God. Mastery and control. Trying to optimize the strategy of your life so you gain as many of those moments that feel like how it used to be, that feel like you're back at the source as possible. Around 4.30, you have become a master of the game of using your power to gain gratification. You function under the philosophy that more is better. More is better two ways. One, thickening every experience. So if a bath is good, a bath with incense is better. A bath with incense and bath oil. A bath with incense, bath oil, and someone else in the bathtub. <laughs> incense, bath oil, a partner, and stereo earphones. <laughs> Incense, bath oil, a partner, stereo interphones, wine and cheese. <laughs> Preceded by an oil rub. <laughs> and on and on. More is better. Thicker, richer. More and more. Get each experience. Try to get all your senses gratified simultaneously the feelings of life. So you drive through the night with your quadraphonic sound in your car, smoking, talking, being sexually aroused, speeding, and you say, this is life. Now I'm close to that place of peace. It's true, isn't it? I'm not making it up. I'm just taking your picture. Then the other way that more is better is getting the rushes closer together. Like you're in the middle of dinner and you're wondering about what you'll have for dessert. During dessert, you're already anticipating coffee. After coffee, while you're in the dessert, you're not only thinking about the coffee, but what you'll do afterwards. And then we'll go bowling, and then maybe a movie. How about an ice cream soda? A ride? Home. Music? Let's make love. What's in the refrigerator? <laughs> And on and on it goes, rush after rush, because between every rush in which you are lost in the rush and you have lost your self-consciousness into the experience and you are back in the source, between every one of those rushes, 
is that little panic of separation. And there's the seeking of the next rush. And if you're really good, you can get them closer and closer and closer together. And you can almost have the illusion there is no space. And you figure, if I had more money and more power, I could do it. That's around 4.30. 5.59. It's not going to work. <laughs> You've done it hundreds of times. Life after life after life. If only I were this, then I would. If only I make this much money and have two cars and a winter vacation and a fur coat and insurance policies and my children are secure, then I will experience that. You go through it again and again and again and again. 559, you recognize that Christ was in fact correct, strangely enough. This is not a commercial. <laughs> when he said, lay not up your treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt. Because it's not going to do it. That's my paraphrase. <clears throat> 559 despair. Everything you could figure out to do, didn't do it. You drank it, crocheted it, ate it, smoked it, shot it, read it, looked at it, caressed it, and it didn't do it. For a moment it did it, but here we are again, at the mobile end of the Memphis Blues again. Six oh one. These are all incarnations now, they're not just minutes on a clock. Six oh one. In fact, some of them are hundreds of incarnations. Sometimes just one incarnation. Depends on how fast you go in an incarnation. Six oh one, you got born just like every time before. And you got lost in the illusion, wow, I want more, give me more. You know, you're a good child. You're taught how to be a good human being. You live life. But it's 6.01. And somewhere in the middle of that particular round, there is a flash. There is a parting of the veil. There is a seeing through the illusion of separateness. There is a moment of awakening. There is the point at which you begin to know or sense who you are. Prior to that, between incarnations, you saw that moment. But now, it is right in the middle of the incarnation. That happened. Wow, so that's the way it is. <coughs> it's the moment when you see that who you thought you were is not in fact who you are. It's just who you think you are. That moment of awakening may have come in that particular lifetime through a traumatic experience, through a crisis, through a death in the family, through falling through space, through a motorcycle accident. It could come at a moment of sexual orgasm. It could come as you're approaching death. It could come at the birth of your child. 
It could come when the despair and depression get deep because you see the emptiness of the entire game you've been playing. There are many, many, many conditions. When you are ready for that to happen, a leaf falling could do it. It's called the initial Satori experience in Zen. It's the moment in which there is a moment of clarity and you see through the dance. Actually, in a lifetime, there are many, many of those moments for everyone. But most people at 4 o'clock, 4.30, 5.30 are busy denying those because they don't fit in with the model you have of who you are. If you're coming up with me, just take another deep breath and let's go a little higher. There was an article last year in the New York Times, <coughs> Sunday magazine section, and it said it was a study of mysticism in America. It turned out that two Two-fifths of the population of the United States, a sampling show, the two-fifths of the population of the United States, had had at some time in their life a genuine, transcendent, mystical experience, an experience of breaking through who they thought they were. That's pretty impressive. That's like more than 40 million people. Of those two-fifths, a sampling of those two-fifths showed that 85% of them said, it was the most profound experience of my life, and I never want to have another one. <coughs> of course not, because it upsets the apple cart. You afraid you're going insane. You're going to flip out because you think you need to be who you think you are in order to keep the game going smoothly, to keep your ground. It's scary. It's like waking up out of a dream that most of you have had and being disoriented, not knowing where you are. Or the lights go up in a movie theater and you can't figure out where you are. You're disoriented for a moment. And then you say, now I know, I'm back. Even as higher being, higher being as somebody like Carl Jung in Memories, Dreams, and Reflections said, I went into these extraordinary realms. I was so happy to come back to my wife and family and to reality. Still clinging to this as opposed to that, to this as reality. By around 7.30, you're ready to recognize <coughs> that you are here on earth as a soul who has taken birth in order to work through the attachments and clingings within yourself that keep you identified with your separateness, thus allowing you to once again become one with the one, or return to the source, or to know your true self.
when that recognition is deep enough, <coughs> the whole meaning of your life changes. And the meaning of every subsequent incarnation changes. You notice that at 4.30, you were busy being separate. And at the moment of death, because you were totally identified with your separateness, you said, I don't want to die. Stop the, stop the world. I don't want to get off. Hold on, doctor, save me. Implant, transplant, do whatever you have to do, but keep me alive. You grab the bed sheets and say, keep me alive. I don't want to die because death is the end of it all. Because you are a philosophical materialist. You're your body, and if the body goes, you ain't. And then you're dead. Just like that. Dead, dead. Not spiritual dead. Dead, dead. And a voice says to you, welcome. And for most people at 4.30, in fact, everybody at 4.30 says, I guess I didn't die if I'm still hearing somebody talk to me. The voice says, oh, no, you did die. And you freak. Because it's so discrepant from who you thought you were, and you go into total confusion, which is often called purgatory. And you just hang in there until you are processed, programmed, re-educated, and sent back. <coughs> Around 7.30, it gets different. Because now you know you aren't who you think you are every birth. So you come to death, but you're not that far on in your spiritual work. So it comes to death, and you say, no, I don't want to die, I don't want to die, even though, Ram, 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 God, Christ, God, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. <laughs> I know it'll be all right, but I don't want to die. And you're really caught right in between. And there you are again, dead, dead. <laughs> and a voice says, welcome. And you say, I guess I didn't die. And the voice says, you did die. And you have a moment of pause. And suddenly, everything you were trying to believe all your life turns out to be true. And you say, fine. <laughs> and then you become a conscious relatively conscious participant in the dance between incarnations. You see your whole trip at that moment. You see how much work you've done in all your incarnations. You meet all your old mothers and fathers by the thousands. And you see that so-and-so was your brother this time, and your lover last time, and your child that time. And there's only about three of us in the whole universe. <laughs> And you see what work you have to do, and you say, well, gee, I, uh, I'm really going to do a heavy next birth. <laughs> and the karma council says, well, we don't advise it. And you say, well, well that's okay. I'm going to do it all. I want to be, uh, let's see, I want to be born mentally retarded, and I would like to be uh, impregnated when I'm 11, and I'd like to go blind at 14 and, uh, and die at 17 of some horrible... Well, if you insist. <laughs> and you just burn out karma. Just go through it all. Now, if you can hear the picture I'm painting, now look at what you're in this moment. Because what you are in this moment is another one of them. It's a, another opportunity. It's another set of experiences. It's more grist for the mill for your soul to awaken to its true identity. When you get to understand this, then, as I said before, the meaning of your entire life changes because from then on, when you really understand it, Everything in your life becomes a vehicle for awakening. It isn't just going to a lecture or meditating. It becomes all of it. 
and you see that the game is exquisitely designed to provide you with just the opportunities you need to burn out the ways in which you are clinging, because as Buddha pointed out, it is the clinging that causes the suffering. It isn't living life that causes suffering. It's clinging to this or that. If you cling to health as your body decays and you can't acknowledge the decay, suffering. <coughs> you cling to being rich and you're poor, suffering. If you cling to being having hair and you go bald, suffering. I used to suffer incredibly because I didn't have any hair. I used to comb it over and get long strands and wrap it around. <laughs> Incredible suffering because I was trying to hold on to a model of myself as having hair. But it is what it is. And the recognition that the meaning of an incarnation is to provide a set of experiences for the soul to awaken to its true self. And now if you will allow me to introduce a concept, which is just a concept, because what it is is way beyond the concept. An incarnation is an opportunity, it's a set of choices that allow humanity to move into harmony with the will of God or away from it. <clears throat> it is a set of choices that allow you to return to God, which is the source, which is the undifferentiated space, which is the Garden of Eden, which is who you turn out to be. That's who you are. That's what you're doing here. You ask yourself, what am I doing here? That's what you're doing. A thousand times you will get lost again. You will forget what you're doing here. You'll get lost into your mellow drama. You will get lost into the absolute reality of the illusion. Illusion isn't quite the right word, because it's real. This plane is as real as that plane, as that plane, as that plane. They are all relatively real. When you're in them, they're real. If you have to go to the bathroom, it's real. But many of you in this room have transcended one level of reality and experienced another level of reality. And in that other level of reality, what seemed real doesn't seem real anymore. At one level of reality, we are in Oklahoma and we are meeting in this beautiful hall. That's only one level. <clears throat> the reason that this level seems so real all the time is because of your attachment to your senses and to your thoughts, to your smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, and knowing. You are very attached to the particular channel on TV to which you are tuned. Very real. Between 7.30 and 11.59 is the process of slowly awakening. Birth after birth or within a birth. The process of becoming more and more conscious of your predicament and less and less attached to this or that, to samsara or nirvana. to illusion or enlightenment. And what is the process of liberation 
liberation means being liberated from the clinging to any single reality as the reality. There is nowhere to stand. Here we are. Nowhere to stand. And everything you notice here, for example, if you are listening to my words now and forgetting to rise in your being and tune to your soul, you are attached to the level of reality that is fed by your intellect. To some of you, these words are just like background noise. And you and I are moving higher and higher in a space of more and more clarity and quietness and openness and spaciousness. That's also planes of reality. A liberated being is both rising spiritually, heart open in love, totally aware at the level of the intellect, physically aware of your body and where you're sitting and all of your pains and aches and pleasures, all of it at the same time, not clinging to this or that, not spacing out, not coming down. Going up and coming down is not liberation, it's a roller coaster. Finally, a conscious being is here, and here includes up and down. From 6 to 7.30, you spend lifetimes trying to get high in order to remember what it is you keep forgetting. By around 8 o'clock, you don't forget very often, and then you are just eager to get on with it. And when you are eager to get on with it, you are less attached to your highs, for your highs and lows are all grist for the mill. And in fact, your lows teach you more than your highs. Well, that isn't true. Your highs teach you about other planes of reality. Your lows teach you about what's keeping you stuck in this particular reality. But you must understand, and this is the issue of social responsibility, the object of the dance of enlightenment, of coming to God, is not to lose the incarnation, is not to realize God and forget humanity. For the formless and the form are two different faces of God. And if you deny your incarnation in order to go to God, you don't know God fully. If you want perfection in your spiritual journey, you must both honor your incarnation and become totally free of it. You must both look up and recognize that beyond form lies formlessness, and that even within form lies the perfection of the design of things, the natural law, the Tao, the way of things. And when you look up, you are awed by the perfection of the work of God. The perfection that includes not only the stars and the planets and the creation of humanity, but that perfection includes the suffering and the violence and the starvation and the paranoia and the ecological destruction 
as well as the flower and the butterfly. But if you only see the perfection, then you lose humanity. For you cannot stay in such a clear light if you had to close your heart to do it and expect to be fully with God. Before you looked up at 601, you were only looking down and out, and all you saw everywhere was suffering. All forms have inherent within them suffering because they are in time and space, and they are subject to change and decay. It is just the way of things. And there is suffering. And your heart bled for that suffering. And sometimes it was unbearable and you had to harden your heart because you couldn't bear the suffering. And you looked up or you went inside and you started to experience deeper peace and higher consciousness, and you felt the perfection of the universe. And in that clarity, all of the horror and the suffering fell into place. And you were up in the heights of the Himalayas, <coughs> dancing in the pure white snow. But if you're going the whole journey, then you must look down again. And when you look down, you see that there is blood upon the snow. There is the bleeding heart of Jesus. There is the suffering of all sentient beings. It is a strong and conscious and clear and liberated being who can simultaneously look up and look down, who can with an open heart experience the unbearable compassion, unbearable compassion, and at the same moment look up and see the exquisiteness of the 